Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And we are Both And. A podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe place. Happy Multiracial Monday, everyone! Yeah! Today we're talking about a super fun topic. Very big topic. Yes, global and it has to do with multiracial people and our ability to save the world. Or not, you know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. Will multiracial people save the world? Uh, there is a lot of, or maybe some, maybe not a lot. There is some, some conversation about the value of mixed race people and multiracial people to, when we say save the world, our biggest thing we're talking about is like, cure racism get rid of prejudice we will be so ethnically ambiguous that nobody will have anything to hate against does that sound like an ideal world to you that sounds quite nice that sounds like utopia (laughs) a world without (laughs) prejudice discrimination that sounds amazing but can multiracial people do it on a global scale i say no you say no i say no on a global scale oh well end of episode goodbye everyone no <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding so why why not what do you what's going on well i've been researching like a nerd actually i've been <laughs> piggybacking off your research <laughs> so you're the nerd we're nerds um there were a couple articles we read from npr cnn um i think you found something from buzzfeed good old buzzfeed good old buzzfeed trying to be legit (laughs) i was most fascinated by this cnn article and it says the blurring of racial lines won't save america why racial fluidity is a con is the title of the article and it covers a lot of different topics it's pretty extensive and we'll tweet out the link later but it cited several instances around the world of how there were lots of blending of different ethnicities and races in Mm -hmm. certain countries like i think it specifically said in latin america in brazil in brazil it was quote a cafe con leche type of society venezuela yeah oh that one was venezuela Mm -hmm. the article was citing lots of different countries in south america that were saying how a lot of different races and ethnicities intermarried and yet there still are different forms of white supremacy and basically it was that people of different skin tones so it even got to different shades and how people identified in their shade Mm -hmm. rather than like their specific mix but it's how i look and how i can pass or present myself Mm -hmm. based on what shade i identify with is what makes me better or worse than someone else um and then we see in asia um india there are also um shade is an important factor of how society perceives you Mm -hmm. um some of my friends from india have told me that um the lighter shade you have it assumes that you have more money whereas the darker the shade you are it assumes you're poorer Mm -hmm. or of lesser status yeah and so we see across the world different racial histories in different parts of the world and so people find different ways to create different power dynamics Mm -hmm. and differentials which is why i think it's multiracial people in and of themselves aren't enough across all of these different histories to just solve discrimination and prejudice in general Mm -hmm. yeah because we already have like that that blend in other countries and it's not working (laughs) if that's not like waking people up to be like oh we're all human and whatever it's let's stop discriminating like 
I'm not, I'm not going to say nothing ever will, because I think one day it'll all come to balance. Okay. But yeah, on a global level, probably not. You reminded me of my South Korean friends that I made in Germany, which I guess you don't have to say South Korea. I always think you have to differentiate between North and South. But my, the, my South Korean friends, they would carry around umbrellas and stuff in the daytime huh. when it was sunny out. And I thought it was to keep cool, but it was to like to block the rays and to like keep their skin light. And they had like lightning powders and stuff and because mm-hmm. whiteness was the beauty standard. So white supremacy is far reaching. It is global. It has been here for a long, long time. And even if it was dismantled, something else would probably replace it. But that doesn't mean we don't have hope for the role that multiracial people can play mm-hmm. in a national level, in our own local communities individually. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of power there. And I think specifically it is for, and everybody is on different parts of their racial journey people like we've talked about how um people identify in their multiracialness so i'm not bashing anyone who only claims one race but i think in my personal opinion multiracial people who claim multiracialness they say i am biracial i am multiracial i think they have a lot of power in helping to tear down institutionalized systems that have been around for a while I think they're, one, by their very being, like, we already know that's, like, an affront to prejudice in in a way and to white supremacy in a way, but in their ability to move throughout the world and move in different groups, I think it just, it humanizes otherness. It brings understanding to things that people might not understand. Mm. Uh, And I think it's really important for multiracial people to claim their identities before purveyors of white supremacy claim them, claim that identity on behalf of multiracial people, if that makes sense. I'm not following the last part. So you think multiracial people who claim a both and identity, mm-hmm. going back to some of our labels from a previous episode, mm-hmm. if they claim that multiracial or that protein identity, you think they will be able to bridge build to different communities mm-hmm. and help humanize different racial groups. Um, but it's Im- imperative for those multiracial people to self-identify before other people put a label on them yes okay i'm gonna just call other people the man because i don't even know what how big that the man is and what they control but it's like you know they control the media sometimes like you know so people in positions of power people in positions of power majority yeah okay so thinking back i kind of historically if we look at like when black people started to be portrayed in the media Mm -hmm. the birth of a nation that movie that came out i don't know the year but birth of a nation was this like film that was like so great blah 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 blah. all these people have these like film accolades for it but they portrayed black people as like there was a man who like tried to rape a white woman and she jumped to her death in that film oh my goodness and like they so they made it like oh look at the the negro man he's somebody you got to watch out for he's coming for your women he's gonna like ruin them and stuff and that narrative 
was started and portrayed throughout mm -hmm. our history. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened to the Asian male, like the feminization yeah. of the Asian yeah. male. So it's like not seen as a threat. And those are two minority groups that have had their story told for them and are now trying to fight to get that narrative back. Yeah. And I think multiracial people as a category, as a group, are in a position right now that we need to claim our narrative before anybody else claims it for us. Mm -hmm. And that's how we will have the power to bring about change. Okay, so by claiming a narrative and controlling the narrative, we can help bring about change. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I think that is a tall order. <laughs> I don't think right. it's impossible. Yeah. And I think it will help bring about change. But I think the point that you're kind of trying to drive home mm -hmm. is what ends discrimination and prejudice is understanding the humanity of someone who's different than yourself. Yes. So that by seeing another sense. person as human, regardless of how they look, mm -hmm. is what helps you not discriminate or ostracize or marginalize that person. Mm -hmm. And so if we can control the narrative of saying, like, we're not a threat, look at how two people of different races can come together and create something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Look at how someone who's mixed can live in a productive, helpful, loving, uplifting way. Yeah. Um, look at how we can all be in community with one another and work together mm -hmm. rather than fight with one another. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> that sounds wonderful right i think it would be so great yeah i think the community level that's a lot more doable mm -hmm. um i mean we were talking last week about the media and how more interracial couples or families are being portrayed on tv mm -hmm. um or in billboard ads or online ads mm -hmm. um what was the you s said there was some pharmaceutical drug on tv where there's like um, I know now. Family. it's Humera. It's the I don't know what I said last week. I think I named the wrong drug last week, but I know for sure it's Humera now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other issue. How many drugs are in America? <laughs> but um, uh, what was it? The grandparents and the mixed grandchild. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just like picking out cupcakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like think about how two white grandparents may not have had strong relationships with other racial groups mm -hmm. but through this grandchild and through that parent whoever yeah. it is like they now have a front row seat they now have a deep personal connection to a different racial group mm -hmm. and just how that humanizes people who are different from you yeah yeah and i think back how you said that is a tall order like I'm thinking about my own experiences with my white grandmother, who I love, and, like, took care of me for six months when my mom was deployed in the Navy, and, like, wow. so in a way helped to raise me. Like, there have been situations in my adulthood where I have felt nervous bringing things up to her, like, if she'll make a comment, and... It's made me nervous to speak out and say, well, actually, this, this, and that, you know? And I think that was before I really started trying to understand my multiracial identity and, mm -hmm. like, live as both and. Yeah. That's back when I was, like, flip-flopping. But, so I, I could see how it, it is heavy to ask multiracial people to do that. But 
I have such a high hope, like doing it now, living it now, that it will bring about that understanding that changes society. Like it has to be on an individual, family to family, friend to friend level for yeah. that mindset to change, you know? Yeah. Because there's no way that it, it just, it doesn't, you, it doesn't just stay there. Like that, the way, when you tell people about your experiences or like correct them in a, in a worldview that they haven't experienced, they think about that later, you know? Like it affects how they see the world. It changes their paradigm. So I think that's so important, hmm. but it can be hard. It can be hard. I'm gonna throw a curveball because mm-hmm. I agree that it can be hard. But we've been talking for the past several minutes about how we as multiracial individuals can make allies Mm -hmm. of the majority culture and people in the majority culture who already aren't allies. Mm -hmm. So we're not assuming there aren't allies out there. Yeah. But we can't assume that, oh, if we befriend majority allies and they just bend to our will, then all will be right in the world. Mm -hmm. I think a bridge goes both ways, a relationship goes both ways. So how do you think multiracial people can also go to minority culture and racial groups and bridge build to the majority group? Because bridge building works both ways. Yeah. Oh man. That is hard and I would say definitely a place I have insecurity because I never want to step into a realm and like tell people how to bridge build and then they're like well you don't understand (laughs) this is like my fear is like you don't understand you are not fully us you know you're like only half us and I'm like okay well maybe you're right but (laughs) I think something I've fallen back on a lot is like um trying to build a theory of responsibility of like we all have a responsibility to help tear down institutional racism and that doesn't only mean like blaming like one part of society it means like reaching out and engaging with that part of society that we don't Mm -hmm. agree with because otherwise we're we're never going to get anywhere right um you can have one group apologize but if the other group doesn't accept that apology oh my gosh then like what progress is there yeah and so i think it is hard and i completely resonate with your fear of going to a minority group and Mm -hmm. being like hey friends maybe we should do this and they're like you don't know like you are not the marches or like (laughs) you haven't had these experiences or you can pass and Mm -hmm. i can't Mm -hmm. Um, and that even happens within different minority groups of like the different minority experiences and so then to throw multiracials in the mix who also have a different experience in their different Mm -hmm. experiences and subgroups there it gets very dicey yeah (laughs) i guess for lack of a better (laughs) word word. (laughs) it gets a little dicey um but i think we need to admit that we can't be afraid to tell people who are hurt that they also aren't responding the right way every time Mm -hmm. you know i i wouldn't be doing my white half any favors if i said that my minority side if i said you know what sometimes asians can hold a grudge mm-hmm. sometimes hurt people can hold a grudge yeah and that is understandable and i get that but how long are we going to sit in that yeah and it's really hard to tell people who've been discriminated against like mm-hmm. you have to forgive oh yeah but i think 
if we are going to control that narrative, if we are going to say we're bridge builders, mm -hmm. we have to recognize that oh, that bridge has got to reach both sides. Yes. And we got to do work on both sides. Mm. It reminds me when people say like hurt people, hurt, hurt people. people. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true, even in, in this realm of society. I don't know. There was this quote um, by Lisa Fungenberg. And so I'm going to say her name. Okay. <laughs> There's probably a more sophisticated way to say Fungenberg, but I'm not going to. But she wrote a book called Black, White, Other, Biracial Americans Talk About Identity and Race. Mm -hmm. Nope. Talk about race and identity. Mixed it up. Um, but she has this real simple quote, and it's multiracial people are an opportunity. And I love that. Hmm. Maybe it's the cynic in me, but I'm like... It's an opportunity for good or evil. For, yeah. You know? That's true. It's so true. Because it can... Multiracial people can be a shield... Right. For the majority to not deal with minority groups. Because like, it's like a watered-down, more comfortable version mm -hmm. of a minority. Yeah. And you can tote around a mixed-race baby all day and be like, Look, I'm not... I'm not racist. I'm not participating in these like nasty things of society look at my mixed race child but that doesn't that's like a cosmetic mm. i don't even know if fix is the right word that's a cosmetic solution to deeper problems yeah. that take work and time yeah. and thought and discussion and like vulnerability mm. and that's where i think multiracial people can get you there like not just the cosmetic part but can get people into those conversations into those thoughts easier maybe or faster or i don't know i just think we could get there quicker than monoracial groups can i don't know dun 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 <laughs> we're not agreeing on everything this <laughs> episode this is conflicting new. viewpoints <laughs> that's okay leo and i are good enough friends that we can disagree and still yes. be friends i don't know because the multiracial part of me is like, yes, multiracial people are a tool to help bridge build, to help start conversations, to help bring a different point of view, a different experience, and shed mm -hmm. light on issues um, in a way that others can't. Mm -hmm. But then the part of me that's in an interracial relationship says, I learned about other racial groups not through my multiracial identity, but just through having a plain old relationship with mm. another multiracial, with another racial group in general yeah and so i think that's where the part of me wants to say I, the whole part of me <laughs> both sides together both and mm -hmm. uh, wants to say that multiracial people are a new tool or another tool yeah. to humanizing discussing um bridge building across racial groups mm -hmm. but i wouldn't say we're the best or we're the only tool yeah. that's successful okay yeah I definitely agree with. I think we're a tool that maybe needs a little more advertisement. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still new, <laughs> still figuring out all the, the glitches and the bugs. Mm -hmm. Like, um, guys, look at this new chisel. It's a multi-faceted chisel that we can use. <laughs> chip um, away at this problem. And I think that's just because our community is so young mm -hmm. and it's still forming. Yeah. Um, which is why we need more support or more advertisement, more allies mm -hmm. or more just joiners in general who yeah. are multiracial. Um, 
But yeah, I think multiracial people could work well alongside other tools available to the community. I would agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that too. Because in, in like my mind's eye, when I like see this kind of like this group of people marching like for like racial equality, it's like side by side. It's not like a white person leading it, a black person leading it. It, or a multiracial person leading it. It's like linked arms all together. Mm-hmm. But I think historically, like, maybe I need to do the research to know if this is true. Historically, it just kind of feels like we haven't, we've been on the, like the black and the white and the Asian and everybody else has linked arms, but the multiracial people were kind of like a byproduct of like, mm-hmm. this is what happens when the races come together and mix is mm-hmm. these multiracial children. And now beautiful multiracial children. (laughs) But they're not but they as individuals are not their community is not a part of it. It's just Mm kinda like this is just what we made and that's it. Yeah. They haven't taken it a step further. Yeah. I think we're ready to do that. I think we're ready to take it a step further in in our identities, claiming them as they are and say like, we wanna help, we wanna fix this, and this is how we can. And I think a lot of that work, like that's something our generation and the generations before us, like that work needs to be done. That's something we actively have to strive for. This next generation, I think they have it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, The ones that were like aware, they grew up with a biracial president. Even if he claimed or (laughs) the world only saw him as a black man, he was a multiracial president. And, like, these children, like, these young people, they're less driven by racial stereotypes. This is, like, according to the CNN article there, uh, interracial relationships are the norm for them. Um, And they are the preemptive, transformative force that could create a more racial order, like, more racial equality. So a lot of the stuff that we still have to strive for, that the people in power have to strive for to make a change, this next generation is growing up with as a norm. And I think that that's going to be formative to society. But there, there is a part we play. Yeah. There is a part we play in encouraging that growth, encouraging that paradigm, mm-hmm. that worldview, and like just helping to form it and shape it in a way that is productive, I guess. Yeah, so it takes root. Planting yeah. seeds that mm-hmm. take root and that grow and bear fruit to nourish all generations, past, mm-hmm. present, and future. Yes. Oh. Because I don't, you can go back and forth whether it's worse off than it used to be or if it's better. I think there's challenges with every generation. Oh, definitely. And we are definitely in a challenging time right now. But multiracial people, man, (laughs) we're an opportunity. We can help these seeds take root. So can we save the world? Maybe not. Can we save our communities or can we help our communities along? Can we assist in this big battle? absolutely yes (laughs) yes we can so that's what we think those are just some of our thoughts on the issue of multiracial people saving the world um what do you guys think how do you think mixed race people can change society change their communities what can you do at an individual level how can that reflect out 
And for our monoracial listeners, how can you, as an ally, assist the transformation of your community um, by allying with the multiracial community? Mm-hmm. So that are, those are our questions of the week. We'll tweet those out. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at WeAreBothAnd. And you can email us your response in if you have a lengthier response at WeAreBothAnd at gmail.com so we'd love to listen uh, to what you guys have to say we'd love to hear from you feel free to leave us a comment subscribe on our podcast channel on itunes and google play and soundcloud whatever you choose we have it all there for you so let's talk about it together we also like to give a huge shout out to key centric for doing our music you can follow him on soundcloud or give him a listen on spotify and skip stone productions was the wonderful designer who made our logo Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of Both In. Until next time.